What's up, guys? Before we jump into the show, I want to give a shout out to Bojo's Pizza. It's the only place you can get the original Colorado Mountain Pie. It's got that honey-infused crust. You can order a Breck brew on the side. And guess what? If you go in there and you mention DNVR, they're going to give you a free honey cheese bread. I personally am going in there on Thursday for lunch if anyone wants to uh, swing by and, and hang out. So, uh, Bojo's, it's the place to get the Colorado Mountain Pie. It's a place to dip your crust in delicious honey. It already has honey in it. It's amazing. Make sure you check out Bojo's and mention DNVR. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. And boys, I needed some Strava Craft Coffee this morning because I didn't get much sleep last night. Oh, Ryan, I've been thinking a lot about you over the past 12 hours. Of course, the news coming down. Mel Tucker just literally in the middle of the night packing up and leaving Boulder for Michigan State. I'm so sorry. How are you doing? I'm all right, honestly. Uh, I kind of had a beat on this so it wasn't like i found out about this at 11:30 last night like most people um uh, so i had i had been mentally prepared honestly if it would have come out on friday the first time that the two sides were reported i would have been a lot more shook but i had some time to uh process it and um first of all i meant to tweet this and i haven't yet but it's so cool. Uh, my mentions and my DMs are full of people who listen to this podcast, our DNVR family being like, hey, man, so sorry. Hope you're doing all right. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. So, And you'll see that in the comment section from today as well. I'm sure. So I love you guys. Um, th- honestly, this stuff happens on paper, on a surface level. You get a coach. He does a good job, usually a better job than Mel did in one year. But we all, I mean, anyone who's close to the program knew there's a reason for optimism with Mel Tucker. And Michigan State was obviously aware of that too. This type of stuff happens. Usually it's not after one year. Usually it's not after a five and seven year. But you can expect this stuff to happen. Where it's a shame is just the way it was handled. And I'll have a lot on this on the DNVR Buffs podcast today, which I'll be on later. I'll have a lot to say and a lot of reporting and um, a lot more. But on a surface level, I just think it's a shame that it was handled the way it was by Mel Tucker. There was a lot of posturing and negotiation tactics that were right in everyone's face. And I just think it's a really bad look for him. I think it's going to be hard for him to recover from a reputation standpoint. You know that all the uh, Big Ten coaches know he's a good recruiter. Well, they are preparing their anti-Mel Tucker recruiting speech already, and it's going to be hard for him. Yeah, it's they, they can go and talk to some ACC coaches about the anti-Willie Taggart mm-hmm. recruiting speech because Taggart, like Mel Tucker, left a Pac-12 job after one year for another Power 5 job. And uh, 
that that kind of speaks to some bigger issues. I think that the Pac-12 has to deal with uh, regarding compensation of coaches and where everybody stands budget-wise. But that's another dis- that's another discussion. Probably you guys will deal with that on the DNVR Buffs podcast. One thing that kind of popped in my mind just to bring back to the Broncos for a second: who would be the equivalent of Mel Tucker in Broncos history? Because Tucker, his name's going to be mud for CU forever. Yep. I mean, Just, really, it's, so it's there's, very there's different. No recovering for Mel? No. It's funny. If Again, if this would have just come out on Friday, he took the job, it kind of just happened in a flash, there would have been a lot of people would have been angry. There would have been some harsh feelings. Of course, everyone would have pointed to the fact that he just signed a recruiting class, although this signing period was a lot smaller for the Buffs than the first one when I don't think this was in play at all. Um, there would have been some harsh feelings at first, but I think later down the road, everyone would have maybe said, well, Mel left the program in a better place than when he got here. Right. That sort of feeling. This thing uh, of saying you're here when you're really not. Um, so like, 100 hours killed him in, right. in terms of his reputation. And I reported this already. Even when Mel tweeted he was committed to see you, the line of communication was not broken with Michigan State. He never – he never – formally took his hat out of the ring per se with Michigan state. And you can kind of put the pieces together here. He's out on the road recruiting. He, or sorry, he's out on the road talking to donors. And so he's, he's literally walking step by step with Rick George. So they're saying he's Rick is saying, dude, we've got a donor event tonight. You got to say something. So are you with us or not? He says, okay, I'm with you, but he's telling Michigan State all the while, hey, look, let's just, you know, uh, cool this out for a second. Michigan State at the time was had Luke Fickle, the Cincinnati coach, as their top target. So Mel felt comfortable in saying this. Well, then Fickle pulls his name out of the hat, and all the while, he's never said, I'm out. He's just said, like, He's okay. never told Michigan State. Right. So they come back to him with a, a probably a better offer. Yep. But then – I mean, we could go down. <laughs> but then he, he kept going. He goes on the radio yesterday. Yep. Yep. And that at this point, this that can only be viewed as a negotiation tactic with Michigan State. Gosh. When does he delete this tweet? He unpinned it <laughs> yeah. last night. Yeah, it's, I know, because it's just sitting there. Because <laughs> last night people were saying, this is still his pinned tweet. This is still his pinned tweet. And uh, then... Ten minutes after that, it was unpinned. I'm surprised it hasn't yet been ratioed into oblivion. There are still 1,278 comments as I look at it right now, but still nearly 7,800 likes. Well, I know someone someone that can uh, help with that ratio. If if, uh, Ryan were to quote tweet it or something, I'm sure a lot of people would jump on it. I think a lot of people (laughs) are quote tweeting it. The mm. one that's also getting quote tweeted was, I, I think we actually talked, maybe we didn't talk about it on this podcast, but it was a bad look for Mel when he said it. It wasn't said in a press conference. It's a whole different thing. But he said um, in November, I believe, quote, there's no transfer portal in the real world. <laughs> oh. And that was tweeted out. And so that's the one that's really blowing up today. Oh, my goodness. Well, Ryan, I'm glad to see that you're doing better than I would have thought. Hopefully the Buffs just find that. Hopefully it's a perfect situation for them. They get the coach that's going to be there for a long time. And bringing this back to the Broncos, the way this played out, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was the complete opposite where it's Mel Tucker that stayed and Pat Shermer that left just because of the the dialogue 
coming from both sides. What was it Saturday that Mel tweeted that? Mm-hmm. He said, I'm not leaving. I'm, you know, flattered by the interest from Michigan State. I'm staying here. I'm committed to see you. Something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. So seemingly to the public, pu- completely putting that to bed, right? I mean, that couldn't have been taken any other way that it's, he was staying at CU. Yes, to most. It's funny because instantly someone texted me who is smarter about this stuff than most and said, that's not um, in stone. The way that it was phrased is not in stone. Mm, and what's interesting is that's the way I viewed the reporting on Pat Shermer with the connection to Michigan State. It was the same sort of thing. Yes. It, not pursuing. Right, right. Not not actually pursuing. He's in meetings. Uh, it appears, it, and the word was, it appears that he's fully committed to the Broncos. There's definitely leeway right there. Well, the other right. thing that happens is when these discussions take place, the coach will tell the agent, you handle this on my behalf. So you can have plausible de- deniability at some point. And, he, you know, if Pat Shermer someday says, well, I didn't talk to Michigan State, he can probably say that. I'm sure his agent was, you know, had been at least reached out to by right. people at Michigan State. Of course, of course. And, and since it seemed like the door was still a little bit open with Pat Shermer mm-hmm. and closed on Mel Tucker, I wouldn't have been surprised if this morning – we're talking about Pat Shermer leaving and then, you know, Mel Tucker's for sure staying. But that that's not the news. So while it's unfortunate news for CU, this is good news for the Broncos where, gosh, I mean, a head coach leaving is a bigger deal. But if Pat Shermer would have left like we talked about yesterday, that would have been really bad. Now Broncos country, you can take that deep breath and you don't have to worry about a sixth offensive coordinator in five years. Yeah, that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Buffs have to do a third head coach in three years. Oh, mm. I'm sorry. Um, it That was a weird situation where, like, my fandom of the Buffs and uh, my job of covering the Broncos intersected. That's yeah. a, kind of a rare yeah. thing. Because um, of Michigan State. It's Right. <laughs> it certainly would have been um, – better for me the buffs fan if pat Shermer would have taken the job yeah although i never thought that was a good fit i i just i don't think pat Shermer is a college head coach type i, I think, think that's so. the only place you could really sell pat Shermer is at michigan state i i think that is literally the only job that would appeal to him but even then i just do you really see pat Shermer? you know hitting the recruiting trail and Doing all that sort of it just to me it didn't seem like it made sense. Yeah, well, that's where you have ace recruiters and for you, sure, and you kind of focus on kind of being the CEO so, of the program, as it were. I think Pat Shermer, if he had gone to Michigan State, I think he could do a very good job, but I don't think he would do it in the same way that Mel Tucker is going about it. And Mel Tucker, you know, he's more kind of the traditional college coach in terms of how he sells a program. You know, right. go, sells sells the university. Pat Shermer would probably go about it in a different manner. Doesn't mean it couldn't work. Right. But that said, I, I think now you can forget about Pat Shermer or the college ranks. So I, unless, and, unless Mel Tucker bombs out so badly that we're having this conversation again in two or three years. Oh boy. Hey, and if if, if we're talking about that in two or three years, good news for the Broncos, meaning that Pat right. Shermer stayed at least a couple of years. That would be more than anyone has it in many years. So that that would be good news, Mace. And so our on this Wednesday edition of the DNVR DNVR Broncos podcast, are we putting to bed 
Uh, any notion of maybe Pat Shermer to see you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening. Um, this is very good for the Broncos. Uh, it kind of would have been a, just a mess yeah. if he left right after they just kind of surprise, had a surprise firing of the offensive staff. Then you bring in a guy who you kind of like bill as the dream candidate. You finally have a press conference <laughs> introducing him. And then he turns around a few days later and leaves. It would have been uh, messy. And the and the Broncos would have been in a really weird position. I think what they would have done is just promoted Mike Shula and just kind of moved forward. But, man, just all around, it would have been a really hard thing for them to spin. There would have been no Dove Valley two-step <laughs> no. to try and <laughs> spin that off as a good thing. And, and, Ryan, that's exactly what I said yesterday was Mike Shula – would have likely been the guy, but I say that with so much hesitancy just because that's how it would have been. That's the only way you could sell it is with a lot of hesitancy. It, it's clear that Pat Shermer was their guy. Mike Shula was Pat Shermer's guy, so you would be hiring Pat Shermer's guy, the guy that just left you. So great news for the Broncos. Now you get the experienced quarterback coach to stay as the quarterback coach. You get the experienced head coach and offensive coordinator to stay as your offensive coordinator. And Vic gets his guy and nothing is changing. That's huge because with this role, we know just how how there's been no stability there. And this just would have been the perfect representation of the Broncos offensive coordinator job if he left so it's great that he didn't I think the only way you're talking about a lack of stability at offensive coordinator for 2021 is if the team finishes so badly that Vic Fangio himself is on the hot seat that's it if this team does what we expect it to do then I think it's going to be fine if this team is even just okay it'll be fine it would have to be a disastrous season for you to be talking about offensive coordinator changing yet again for 2021. I agree with you, but 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 I just have to look back, and that's how we thought we viewed Bill Musgrave. That's thought. That's kind of how we viewed Mike McCoy. Well, Musgrave with, with, was tied to Vance Joseph, and his job security was tied to Vance Joseph's. And I would say Pat Shermer's job security is tied to Vic Fangio's. Yeah, they're not independent of each other. I, I would agree. It. I just do take a step back and say this is how we viewed so many of these experienced guys. But Mace, I, I do agree. I'd put my money on. I'd bet the mortgage that if Vic Fangio is back in 2021, which I would imagine he would be, that it would be Pat Shermer joining him as the offensive coordinator. I've just been down the road, what, five times in the past five years thinking that? Yeah, I mean, the, I, the, the only way I could see Pat Shermer not being the offensive coordinator next year is if Vic got fired. And, I mean, could you, like, it's, could you imagine going through this, all, starting all over again after next year? No, it would be awful. That's not what I want. That's not what I think will happen. But then again, just looking at history, the past two head coaches have been here for two years. I know Gary Kubiak was different. Vance Joseph was different than Gary Kubiak. But again, it's I don't think it's something we can say won't happen. No, you but can't I don't say think it. that's what will. You can't say it won't happen because the season could be a disaster. You never know. I mean, if, if the team goes 4-12, oh. God forbid. I don't think they are going 4-12. Well, but that again, that's why I say Pat Shermer's job security is entirely wedded to where Vic Fangio stands. 
if the team continues its upward trajectory with Vic Fangio or even stays on the same level. Pat Shermer is fine and is back for 2021. But if Fangio gets blown out, if they, they have such a rotten season that they make yet another change of the head coaching position, then it's all on the table. And I think at that point, then you're talking about a significant uh, rebuild. And the other thing for, for poor Drew Locke is that it would mean what? <laughs> Yet a sixth offensive coordinator for him since he showed up at the University of Missouri. Oh, my gosh. Here is um, an interesting thing, though, as we talk about that. It was recently told to me that Vic Fangio doesn't have the demeanor of a guy who a team is going to want to stick by if things get really bad. Hmm. In the sense of... It's kind of his his demeanor and the way that he goes about things is dealt with right now because everyone views him as a genius. If let's say the the Broncos were to struggle on defense next year and go four and twelve, God forbid, um, I don't know if that's a thing where everyone still sees him as a genius. And they're, they want to move forward in that. Now, that's that's a dark path to go down, and I don't think that that's ever going to happen. Truly, I believe as long as Vic Fangio is the head coach of the Denver Broncos, they are going to have a top-10 defense. I, I And I agree with that. And that's on the other side of the ball on offense. That's the great reason, uh, or that's the great news of getting such a failed head coach in Pat Shermer. This guy averages four and a half wins and four seasons as a head coach, no matter how good – this Broncos offense is, he's not going anywhere. Let's say they're the number one offense this year. I don't think he's going anywhere. Maybe if he does that two years in a row and, and grooms Drew Locke into the best quarterback in the NFL and the Broncos win the division two straight years over the Chiefs, then maybe after two years, he may go somewhere. But in that case, I think the Broncos would be thrilled with that. But that's no one's going to be jumping on Pat Shermer after this year. And that's why he's kind of the ideal fit yep. for what the Broncos are looking for, the the retread, the guy who's been a head coach a couple of times and had less than successful results. You bring in Pat Shermer in part because you figure, okay, after those two experiences, he knows who he is as a coach in the NFL. The league knows who he is. And you should be pretty safe if this thing works out. It's You, know, you don't sense that Pat Shermer has an itching to be an NFL head coach again after his experiences. And you don't sense that there's going to be a real big demand for services. But I think, uh, Ryan, what you touched on with Vic Fangio's demeanor uh, and as far as if things go south, how it'll affect things in the locker room. And I think he kind of hit the nail on the head. Is Vic Fangio the type of coach, the type of personality that if things start going askew, he's going to be able to rally the troops. That's not. He doesn't that, strike me as that type of guy. Right. That's not his style. He's more, you know, he's more of kind of a, a, a technocrat type, type of coach as far as, you know, someone who he's focused on tactics. He's focused on teaching and he can be critical. I mean, I think he may not do this publicly, but I think privately, if things are, are, aren't going well, there may be some people tossed under the bus. And and that's kind of he is the guru. He is the genius. It's 
And a perfect example of this is what happened this year with defensive players. A lot of guys in training camp on the defensive side of the ball did not like Vic Fangio. And they were internally vocal about that. Because they they had not yet seen that the scheme could work. Exactly. And it was something different. They were working harder in camp than than a lot of those guys that ever worked as pro players. And it wasn't going over well. I mean, we we all heard it uh, around the team. But then... As the season went on, it was interesting to see as you got into November and December on the defensive side and the players, the more they were in it, the more they realized that the scheme worked and they bought in. But what if they take a step back on defense? I don't think they will. Let me just make this clear. I think this defense takes steps forward in 2020 from where it was, in part because a lot of guys have come to understand through actual in-game evidence, hey, this scheme works. It can get the best out of me. Yeah, so that's that's exactly what happened is they turned around, all these guys started having career years, and they said, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. They right? needed the right. evidence. That's all they needed. If that hadn't have happened, then you would there would have been, I think, rumblings uh, that came out of this season that, Vic Fan, that, you know, that uh, players – weren't in love with the way Vic Fangio was doing things. The two words that come to my mind when, when thinking about this is harsh and blunt with, with, with Vic Fangio. When things are going well, especially on the side of the ball that he's dealing with, when someone's harsh or, or, or blunt with you, and th- then you feel like, okay, well, that, I didn't like hearing that, but look, look what he's doing. I can trust him. I'll, I'll do these things better, and it'll work out. If it goes poorly... That harsh and blunt, you're thinking, this guy's just a total dick. What does he know? We're a bottom 10 defense anyway, and it reminds me of Bill Belichick. And I've heard uh, from a lot of people, if this ever goes, if the Patriots ever go off the rails with Bill, it's going to be so difficult. Hard and fast. for, For him to overcome that. No one is going to want to play there. Free agents aren't going to go there. Players are going to quickly, quickly turn. But but it's but different what, there because he has skins on the wall. Well, in the parlance of John Fox, the problem that we see from Belichick acolytes when they leave is that they don't have that reputation. Yep. Matt Patricia goes to Detroit, tries to do a lot of the Belichick things, and the players revolt. The players are, are frustrated with it. And I think— Well, because yeah. Mace, those teams aren't good. Those two, it, but if they, they don't know that, that they have Patricia, not experienced firsthand that it works. But if if Patricia succeeds, if these Belichick disciples succeed, then players are going to say, mm. God, this guy's a pain to play for, but it works. He's he's making me win. And that's that's what people say in New England. They say it's not fun working and playing for Bill Belichick. It's a grind, but you know what? If I want to be the best and I want to win— I know that dealing with that mm-hmm. is part of it, and, and I will win. So if it goes the other way, I think it's going to – yeah, like See, Ryan said, it's going to go down fast. I don't think it would go down fast to New England just because of all Belichick has done in the past. I think because he can point to those Lombardis and the success that he's had there. I think the places where it goes down fast is where his – like, for example, where his assistants go – and they haven't had the success there. I mean, we saw it, uh, Josh McDaniels in Denver. You know, McDaniels tried to do all the Belichick things, but that wasn't going to fly. It was He was a different type of personality, had different sorts of expectations. If Belichick is getting on your case on the sideline, on camera, in full view of a national television audience, 
Well, okay, Bill Belichick, he's, at that point, he'd won three titles by then. Josh McDaniels doing that, yelling at the offensive line, cussing at them like mad, you know, veins bulging. That just, the, the linemen just kind of looked at each other after that and just scoffed. It, Mace, you would know this better than I would, but I would imagine when Josh McDaniels started 6-0, and he was the same dick of a person to players, but mm-hmm. players probably thought, okay, we're winning. Right. And, and, and this is just my guess. Maybe and, this and they works. put up with it. But then kind, kind of just like when it turned on its head, it went down fast. I mean, that was, that was what, 16 games, nearly 18 games later he was gone? Yeah, it, well, he started off 6-0, and and his final record was, uh, what, it was a 12 and, uh, let's see, 8 and uh, 9, 12 and 17. So 6-17 and 17 after that first opening. Yeah. He lost the team really fast. Yep. It's all about winning. And if Vic Fangio wins, if he has a good defense, it doesn't matter what his personality is, what he's like to players. Uh, you just got to make sure that you're good. And I, I do agree with you guys. I think the defense is going to be just fine. Well, think about when he talked with us. You know, he did his press availability every day. And, you know, how you knew when he was upset with a guy. Oh, you, oh he, yeah. He wasn't one to throw up false platitudes. And on, on, I, in our job, I admire that. I love it. Because there is a certain level of honesty there in terms of his assessments. But at the same time, there's also a school of thought among some coaches that is only praise in public. If you're going to tear down, you do it in private. Right. Well, it started with Von Miller, right? Now, that, that wasn't him attacking Von Miller, right. but the very first day he got the job, he was saying how Von Miller can be better. Right. Um, and then I remember Devontae Bosby throughout the offseason, he really challenged publicly. And mm. some guys, I mean, clearly Devontae Bosby lived up to that. He, he understood he it, Devontae, that. because he'd been in Chicago. So he, he, got what, he, he got from past experience what Vic Fangio was asking. He knew what kind of personality he had. Don't forget, when you mentioned Von Miller and some of the other veterans, the guys who were around for Wade Phillips and Joe Woods were used to a different kind of defensive leadership because those guys were pat on the, they, they were pat on the butt, arm around the shoulder guys. Right. That's not Vic Fangio. I also think there's going to be a different dynamic within the coaching staff this year in terms of Vic Fangio and his respect for Pat Shermer. Um, you know, we heard the reports about how uh, Vic scoffed at every, quote-unquote, every offensive play call. And are you guys with me on the sense that you're, um, you're not expecting that to happen with Pat Shermer? He's kind of going to want to stay out of his way. Yep. Exactly. And then another thing that I was told is that Vic was extra hard on offensive um, on the offensive staff and on the offensive players. And going into weeks against certain teams, he would sort of say something like, well, this team's defense sucks, so we should be able to score a bunch of points on them. And – it was it was almost like whoa, like it's not that easy type of thing. Um, but Vic, being the defensive guy he is and the blunt guy he is, looks at another team's defense and sees them and says, "These these these guys shouldn't be able to stop us." Um, it kind of reminds me of 
back when remember Julio Jones had like a 350 yard game or something insane. Yep. And they were coming to play the Broncos the next week. I wish I could remember who they played the week before. I want to say it was the Panthers, but I don't know. It was. It was Panthers because it, remember it was right after they let uh, Josh Norman go, right? Oh yikes! Or no? No, Josh Norman was still there. Yeah, I I can't remember who they it was. went. They went at a corner that they later cut, if I'm not mistaken. Right, and the reason yeah. I bring it up is because I remember being in the locker room the day after that game, the week going into the Falcons game for the Broncos, and Akib Talib and Chris Harris Jr. and Darian Stewart and Bradley Roby mm-hmm. were saying like, "Man, like Julio's great, but this was all about how trash that secondary is." You know, like they're seeing it from their side, saying, "Oh." Those guys can't play. And the thing I remember about that as well is because the Falcons came in to Denver and won without Julio doing all that much, that was the most important game in terms of their development towards being an NFC champion. Because going into the Bronco game, the perception was the Falcons beat you with Ryan and Julio, and that's it. Well, then that day, (laughs) the Broncos took away Julio, and it lasted no problem. We're going to target our running backs out of the backfield. We know the Broncos linebackers are going to struggle in coverage, and we're going to nail them that way. And, yeah, Paxton that was, Lynch is your quarterback. Yeah, that was, a, that was a turning point moment for both the Broncos and the Falcons. And day. this is a turning point moment for this podcast <laughs> as we move on. As we turn into a Buffs podcast? Yeah, no, no. Saving all my Buffs takes for uh, – for later on the Buffs podcast, and I might even be on another Buffs podcast later tonight. So busy man, plenty of Buffs takes from me for the people that actually want them. Um, and you know what else you might be able to get some takes from me on? Beer. Well, that, <laughs> but but actually the Colorado Ooh, Raptors. Oh yes. I went to a Raptors watch party this weekend, and honestly. Low key, I'm starting to kind of fall in love with the sport. It looked like a packed environment. It looked awesome. It was. They have a little bar at the stadium. Obviously, it was an away game. So they packed the bar at the stadium, put the game on, and it was so much fun. Um, I mean, I didn't know anything about the sport other than you can't throw it forwards when I started watching. By the end of the game, I kind of figured it out. It's fascinating and it's really fun to watch. So. Um, make sure you check out our Raptors content, which we have um, filtered into the site. Uh, and maybe you guys can learn along with me. You should come to one of the watch parties or come to a game. The community, it's kind of one of those tight-knit sports communities. If you've ever been part of one of those, it, they're very welcoming usually. Uh, and everyone that was at the watch party was willing to help me. I'm like, why were they like, why do they keep kicking it or whatever? And they uh, they were able to help me out with the rules and. It's a, it's a cool thing to be a part of a smaller sports community when, you know, we talk about the NFL, which is probably the second largest sports community out there. It's cool to be in kind of a tightly knit one. Well, remember, it's a sports community that's invested in the growth of a game. Exactly. And that's why part of why it's so uh, welcoming uh, to go to a Mac show over there because it's a sport that uh, doesn't have a, a, a lot of traction yet in, this, in the overall American marketplace, but has a passionate following, and the people who are there, they're so passionate about the sport, and uh, they just 
they're so willing to to share it with you because I've seen this from other sports communities uh, over the years, like uh, like soccer, for example, in this country as well. So it's doesn't surprise me that the Colorado rap the Colorado Raptors community is uh, is like that. And uh, sounds like you had a great time over there. And this is really the perfect way to learn this game and and to attach to a team because we have Colton giving you. All the X's and O's breakdown on the site, everything you need to know from a written format, easy to digest, for you to then go to these watch parties. And all I've heard is this community is is all about bringing new people in and helping you understand the game. So just the perfect place to be and a fun environment too. Really fun environment. And you could pour back some Breck brews while you do it. It's definitely a uh, drinking sport, <laughs> as was made very clear to me while I was there uh, for a nice early game, everyone wanted to be wanted me to be assured that there is no bad time to drink during a rugby game. Be as a drinking sport. Why is that? I mean, maybe just cuz it's a European sport. <laughs> maybe. So, you know, soccer is a drinking sport as well. Oh, right. Um maybe they view like football and and baseball the same way. Aren't all sports drinking sports? Uh, I think so. <laughs> they can be. But I think when we think drinking sports over here, we think like you know, rec league softball and mm-hmm. Bowling, bowling, you know, yep. Stuff that isn't quite as athletic, but uh, in rugby, there's a, a long tradition of post-match beers, right? And especially like at pubs, is yeah. what I think. And two teams playing each other, and then going and having a post-match pint together. Yeah, love it. Or love a couple. It. So if you want a post-match pint, make sure that you check out Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, I had a, I actually had a post-match pint after the Avs game last night. Went down to the Breckenridge Brewery in the Pepsi Center, had myself a nice little strawberry sky. It was a, a nice way to cap off the night. You know, here's a little pro tip. If you are taking an Uber to the Pepsi Center, you're going to get crushed with a surge charge after the game. Instead of spending that money on your Uber, go down into the Breck Pub, which you can get into without having to walk out of the stadium, and sit down with your buddies, have a little post-match pint, and then by the time you're done, you the um, the the surge price on Uber will have gone down. You'll have had a beer, and then it's time to go home. That's a pro tip right there. It is a pro tip. All right, let's hear from the fans and what they have to say. And and maybe the is this the opposite of pro tips? They want to hear our pro tips. <laughs> All right, and the first one's coming in from Denveria. Ha ha. I have to admit that I was a bit proud of my question about foreign-born Broncos players caught Mace a bit off guard. I wasn't sure such a question exists. By the way, your pronunciation off my username is perfect, even if it reminds RK of diarrhea. Thanks. Have you guys ever asked a player a question which you immediately regretted afterward? Maybe because it was inappropriate or you got the facts wrong. And what was the most awkward interview experience of each of you? Man, um... I've had like Derek Wolf like stare into my soul before. <laughs> that was sort of intimidating, but I'm trying to think if there's something I regretted. I usually think long and hard Me too. before I ask a question on like every possible scenario that could take place. How often would you guys say in in a group setting at the podium there is an a very awkward question asked, not by one of us, but just by the group, once every two weeks? I was going to say once a week, but one, maybe once, it's once every two weeks. Once a week where the I mean, right when you hear it, you're kind of laughing inside, and then it's greeted with that. Yeah. I remember one. I think I've actually told this on this podcast. I was at uh, one of Mike McIntyre's press conferences, 
and it was like a student reporter who was like very unsure of the way they were saying things and they were like uh so you did some uh, trick plays last week you got any uh, trick plays coming up for the Oregon game this week? <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, oh, oh, God. And Mike McIntyre was like, oh, yeah. We definitely have some trick plays coming this week. Actually, if you want to know, on the first play of the game, and then he you know, stopped himself and everyone chuckled, and it was like, oh, my God, so awkward. Yeah. I remember, at, and this is a long time ago, so long ago, it was when training camp was up in Greeley, that a reporter with a straight face Asked Mike Shanahan after a practice for a feature, where would this team be without Fred Fleming? <laughs> oh, my God. And then Mike Shanahan, deadpan, just said, I don't know, probably in the tank. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Mike other- was always good at diffusing those really awkward, strange, bad questions. Yeah, and like, and that. like we were talking about Vic being blunt and harsh. Uh, he's not as kind to reporters, which is fine, which is fine. But we knew that. Yeah. That's, yeah. That was no, the it's, way it's not he was a bad going. thing on Vic at all. He just, if you ask a stupid question, he's going to let it linger. He's going to fire back something that makes you know it was a stupid question. And we actually have a video coming out uh, soon that you'll see on the main DNVR account. So make sure you follow at DNVR underscore sports in which we all talked about our most embarrassing moment as a reporter. So that'll be fun to definitely have those Uh, from Vic Fangio sweater. A few things I've built up over the last few weeks. One, I felt like it was our time for a name change used to be Craig L, but that felt too boring Two, I don't understand the rules, but the best any time meal is a full English breakfast. That's, that's fine. And yes, Except for one thing. Black slash blood pudding should be on the plate. And that's Craig, the exception. You have been around here a long time and you know the rules. We do not talk about blood and food on this podcast. Well, So what about when you have like a, a rare steak? Doesn't count. Three for Mr. B. Four. Peyton always puts his statements out through the Broncos social media. He doesn't have his own channels and lives in Denver. Should we read any more into that? It's a really good question. I mean, when Kobe passed away, there was a statement from Peyton Manning on Kobe sent from the Broncos. I think he will, for the foreseeable future, always issue those statements through wherever Patrick Smythe is working. Mm. And if Patrick Smythe were working for a PR firm, then those statements would come from the PR firm. Maybe if Peyton ever runs for office, Patrick will follow him. Uh, That's how he leaves? Yeah. I would so I if definitely see that. So if it's President Peyton Manning, Patrick Smythe is the press secretary? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe even more than that. I think, Pat- would, would I Peyton, think Patrick might be chief of staff, yeah. actually. Would Peyton Manning win this election if he ran? It's a darn good question. I think he would. <laughs> I think he could, yeah. Although he might – I think he would be running on – Aside that already has a sitting president. Yeah, yes, he would. <laughs> I think he would be in. I think that side right now likes the Elon of the sitting president. And Peyton Manning, I think, would probably uh, not be what they're looking for at this point. And we've gone farther down this path than <laughs> I ever want to go. Yes. Uh, the next one. Oh, he goes on and says, six. I'm so excited for the draft every year. Oh, wait, I f- no. oh there's number five. Oh, if you're going to pick an English football team, I think you should do it by picking your favorite jersey. There are worse reasons. Hmm. I 
I, I want to have a team. That's going to be my quest. If the if the Broncos get an England game, as we're expecting, a London game, my goal will be to reveal who my English football team is when we set foot on, on English soil. <laughs> Do you have one right now? No. So I used to sort uh, – no. I used to sort of like Sunderland because my roommate was a Sunderland fan, which was rough. Um, and I just never, I just never fully bought in. And so. I would say this, a key for being a Premier League fan, if you're over here in the States, is to pick a side that isn't going to be relegated. Because all right. of a sudden you go from being able to watch every game to seeing, if you're lucky, four or five matches a year. Are you going to walk off the plane with a jersey on? Is that how it's going to be revealed? Or? Oh, yeah. When we land on a private plane yep. and there's fans waiting for us <laughs> everywhere and uh, I'm wearing a trench coat and then I reveal it. <laughs> Let's just hope you put a jersey on or if you just decide to be like uh, non-committal on a team and you just open the trench coat and there's just nothing on. Wait, which which team is called Wolves? Wolverhampton Wanderers. Do they get relegated? They're kind of a yo-yo team they go up and down can't do that but they, they have a passionate fan base and uh in terms of the crowds they get they they've historically kind of punched above their weight in terms of fan support but i've um, all everyone knows i love wolves and birds is there a bird side let's see you'd have to be uh isn't manchester united they have like an eagle uh logo I don't think they have a, I don't think they have eagle. Manchester City used to have kind of a an eagle, but they went away from that. Both of them kind of use iconography from the city of Manchester, so you've, that's why you've got a boat. I think uh, both of them. I know Manchester City kind of works in the rows of Lancashire into their crust. I'm going to say that uh, that Wolves is the leader right now. Wow. So Wolverhampton, even though uh, they broke your first rule. That was Mace's well, rule. Oh, okay. Well, you know, if if you were willing to go for a team that uh, goes up and down, you like birds. Uh, you know, Norwich is the canaries. Canaries are kind of a weak bird, <laughs> although they are kind of smart. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to pick until we get to London. But I will say that's that's my leader so far. If any of you uh, English football fans want to convince me one way or the no- another, I'm willing to listen to all cases between now and October. Early. Do you care about hopping aboard a bandwagon? Yes. Uh, so that means you're not going to choose Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Tottenham Hotspur, Liverpool. I kind of like Tottenham, got to be honest. There, there's um, some character there with being a Spurs supporter. I'll, I'll say that. And also, you could say I'm going to be a Spurs supporter because the Broncos – if they play the Falcons, the game will likely be at Tottenham Hotspur right, I Stadium. Exactly. I can just walk right into the team store and get my gear on our way into the game. <laughs> it's it's they're, they're in there as well. They're in there as well. All right. Um, he says, I'm excited for the draft. Every year I feel more knowledgeable about it, all because I subscribe to DNVR. Awesome. Seven is for John. Eight, I've created a DNVR fan page as a Facebook group with the aim to celebrate this awesome DNVR community, including a place for support. Please come join. Here's the link to group. Yeah, make sure you go join the Facebook group that uh, Craig started there. And just a note uh, on this. When you go look, so so go into the comment section, look for Vic Fangio's sweater comment. <laughs> it's under number eight, but for some reason, links on here show up with a white background 
with white text. <laughs> so you just have to trust yourself where there's kind of a blank space and click it, and that's the Facebook group. And he says, life is a blank, but hopefully it can be back and commenting and joining in more again. Love it. We hope you are too, Craig. We love we love hearing from you. Next one coming in from 940 Bronco. Hey guys, I was actually visiting family in Denver a couple of weeks ago, and because of you guys, I had a Bojo's pizza with a friend. I had the Skyhawk with green chilies, and it was incredible. Nice. I also drank my weight in vanilla porter, and thanks to the Breck beer locator you guys mentioned, I found vanilla porter and strawberry sky here in Texas. Love it. A real testimonial right there. Going back to the Akeep Sleep conversation, do you think that Chris Harris Jr., regardless of what happens in free agency, can also get in the Hall of Fame eventually on the strength of being a huge part of the no-fly zone? Akeep and Chris were the heartbeat of that secondary, and I wonder if that goes both ways. He's got to stack up another few Pro Bowls, maybe even another All-Pro. I don't think he ever gets to, to be honest. I think right now he's in what Peter King would call the Hall of Very Good. Yes, and, and that's, I mean, he's going to have to have many more Pro Bowl seasons, all pro seasons, and Mace, the argument for Akib Tlaib making it yesterday was saying, look, the no-fly zone has to have some representation. Well, if Akib Tlaib's that representation, then you don't have that argument for Chris Harris anymore. Uh, well, the other thing with Akib Tlaib is he's also got all the pick sixes. Yep. Uh, there's a stat there that is going to be leaned on and when his resume Tlaib. comes up. Chris is about the opposite of a keep to leave in terms of notoriety. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Dan Burke, what if the Broncos put together the, the all-TCU team this offseason, starting with naming Patrick Morris their starting center? Schlotman can stick around for depth. Then they sign Hal Pulvati Vitae. I hope Zach's reading this, by the way. Sorry. I'm happy you were reading Come that. Come on, Zach. Give it a try. Hal oh. Pilati Vitae. Hal Pilati Vitae. We're doing Pilates. <laughs> to start at right guard, bringing Josh Doxson to compete with Tim Patrick for the wide receiver three job, then signing Jason Verrett to, for close to the vet minimum for unreliable corner depth. Then they trade a day three pick to the Bengals for TCU icon Andy Dalton to be the backup. And they maneuver up and down the draft. They should select Jalen Rager, Lucas Niang, Jeff Gladney, and Ross Blacklock with their remaining draft picks. This makes a lot of sense considering that TCU is a perennial powerhouse <laughs> and generally just turns out great NFL players all the time. But don't don't draft anyone from Alabama. Or Clemson. Yeah, no, stay away from those. Um, I don't know why Dan Burke is trying to dismantle the Broncos, but it's kind of sad. Next one coming in from Bronco Born, Bronco Bred. I know it's not normally y'all's style, but can we get a Steve Atwater interview on the pod with Mace or with the whole crew? Us living outside of Denver don't get to hear his work that he's now up to and would love to hear this we will there will be something at some point yes there will be yeah i promise that some small stuff and some big stuff yes exactly and i would say just a conversation with the three of us would probably be small stuff oh yeah yeah but yes i'm sure we will have steve atwater on at some point point. and bronco born bronco bread starts the hashtag hashtag get atwater on the pod all right will happen don't worry we got a long one here from big tony Big T. Super Bowl halftime. MNF. Okay. Oh, I lost my spot. Hey, guys. Haven't commented in a long while. Not sure if you remember me before, but I'm the one that moved from Utah to Vegas. Full-time Uber driver. Went to Snow College with Mr. Bowles. Ring a bell? Absolutely. Of course. course. Anyways, I have a lot of questions, but I'll spread them out over the next few pods. Today's question is, are you sure you spread them out? (laughs) Um. Today's question is, I'm curious to know what each one of your journeys have been like that have allowed you to be in the positions you're at today. Please include ages of when you started school and, age, and ages of each one of your stops until up until now. 
Um, I started school at 18. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just give us the... <laughs> um, started right before I graduated college. I thought I was going to go to law school. Sent out hundreds of letters to NFL teams, just seeing if there was a chance any of them had anything. About half the teams responded with cool little notes from their GMs or uh, head coaches just saying, no, but thanks for trying. Uh, Didn't hear back from the other half. And the Browns, three weeks before law school started, reached out and said, we actually do have this thing. It was a, uh, a scouting position with them, everything on the computer. And I did that for three years and uh, wanted to stay in the industry, so just reached out to everyone in this industry and got my foot in the door. Eight months later, joined DNVR, and the rest is history. Well, BSN Denver. Yes, and BSN at the time. Yeah. Um, similar to you, a lot of resumes. I'd actually done some work with the Tampa Bay Storm in the Arena Football League back when I was in college. Um, sent a lot of resumes uh, coming out of school. One of them uh, received a response. It was actually in response to a job. At the time, the NFL website was produced by uh, a company that at that point was owned by ESPN and Disney. It had been bought out a couple of times. It was actually started off as a company called Starwave, started by Paul Allen, the late Paul Allen, Seahawks owner, who uh, got contracts for doing website, team, team league websites back in the 1990s. So, for example... They had NBA.com, NASCAR.com, NFL.com all under their umbrella. I got my foot in the door there on an internship on NFL.com, working on the desk as an editor. Uh, Two months in the internship, they call me uh, into the desk. It was a six-month internship. Call me into the desk at the desk of the the department head and say, hey, we'd like you to stay full-time. Hey. And so I did that for a couple of years. NFL.com moved to CBS Sportsline in 2001. I end up going over there, and from there I went to the Broncos. Basically, when you're doing the league site, you're working with people from the league office. I was able to get some good contacts, good references. They vouched for me with the Broncos, and so in 02 I got hired by the Broncos doing stuff on their website, and then that kind of started the path, and I've been covering the NFL ever since. When I was a sophomore in college, I saw a tweet that said, um, any young journalists out there trying to get um, some clips, reach out. I'm hiring an intern from a guy named Will Whalen, who Buffs fans will know. Um, And I wasn't a young journalist at the time. I didn't even know what clips meant. (laughs) But I knew I wanted to work in sports. uh, And sports journalism had always been something that was in the back of my mind as something I would want to do. So I reached out to him and I said, I'm not qualified for this in any way, shape, or form. I honestly had never even written a sports article. But he said, all right, well, let's do an interview. And I interviewed with him and he's like, okay, well, there's some people who are more qualified for this, but you seem like a good guy. And I I feel like I'd rather hang out with you than some of the other people that applied for this. So I got kind of lucky there, got the gig. Um, Will has since become one of my best friends. And I started at a place called buffscoop.com, which was a small blog type site that um, covered the buffs. Then when Will left, he went to a place called Buff Stampede, which was in the Rivals Network. And after a little bit of time of me being at Buff Scoop on my own, they scooped me up, per se. 
uh, and brought me over to the Rivals Network. And then I worked there for a few years before Brandon came to me and told me he was starting this thing called BSN Denver. And it was going to be really cool. And we had a long lunch in downtown Denver. And I uh, I decided to join him and, and help start this thing. And that leaves us here. Hey, love the stories. Five years later. Went down is, story time. Which is crazy. Um, he goes on to kind of share his uh, story here and essentially says that he's looking for uh, advice on how he could potentially get into this field. I think one thing that you'll notice as a common thread here is we all started at the very, very bottom and just took mm-hmm. something that we could get our foot in the door and learned and tried to get better and show what we were worth on the way, and it's paid off. And often unpaid. Yes. My, my That's a sad part about this industry. <laughs> you know, how, the only money I got from my time with Tampa Bay Storm occasionally – very quietly, I'd get slipped like a $50 bill or a $100 bill from time to time. <laughs> like a but, prized recruit. Yeah, but I did all sorts of stuff. Like I remember on that gig, I spent one Saturday going all over Tampa trying to find coolers and then sodas to put in the referee's locker room. <laughs> wow. Because it hadn't been done, it somehow slipped out. So, there are or trying to go get food for the pregame meal. Wow! I would like sometimes my car, like literally a buffet full of food, was loaded up in my car, and then I, you know, just drive over from the restaurant to the arena, and then I just go set it all up and all that. <laughs> yeah, I would. Everybody's say- done crap work at some point. That, oh yeah, that's and and that's the thing, and I think that's why I've I've always. They try to have a great deal of uh, empathy and understanding for like the interns and uh, and what they're doing. The Broncos have media relations interns every year, and uh, you know we've all done something like that in our professional lives. Oh yeah, to get here. And my recommendation would be reach out and talk to everyone, whether it's for advice, whether it's getting your foot in the door, whether they say no. If you want it, don't be discouraged. And I think if you if you try hard enough and don't give up, you'll you'll make it. All right, uh, the next one here is from Bronco Born Bronco Brett, who says, double dip alert. What about this draft scenario? Take one of the top three receivers, Lamb, Judy Ruggs, and then trade back in the first to scoop up LaVisca. Imagine it. You would have those two, Fant and Sutton. Sounds like a certain recipe that may or may not have just won a Super Bowl. What have you done up front? I could see trading back into the first round in that scenario, but in that case, I think it would be for an offensive lineman. Yeah, I don't think this will happen. It's it, it's very Madden-esque, right? This is something that you do on Madden, and it's fun and exciting. And then talk about weapons. You're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs having great weapons, and not too far after, you're talking about the Denver Broncos having some of the best weapons in the league and young. Yeah. Mark Shippers. Unless, did you want to add something on that, RK? I'm in. Okay. By the way, I mean, you'll figure <laughs> out the offensive line later. All right, that's fine. <laughs> Mark Shippers. Hey, guys. So, quick story. The company I work for is based in England, and we are the North American HQ here in western Kansas. So, I've kind of mentioned how the Broncos may play in London next year, most likely in October, which would coincide with our slow period. So, I kind of hope I can go over to England, then go to our factory during the week, and then go to that game to get my flights on the company. Anytime anyone goes there, comes here, we fly from DIA to Heathrow anyways, so it would work out. So, if I get to, we could all hang out and potentially get all BOD, but in England, it's probably called BBOD, bloody blackout drunk. <laughs> also, my boss's boss likes Denver and KC because he was here in the 90s and like both teams, LOL. 
I told him that's not really allowed, but he still likes both. Anyways, go DNVR Mark in Kansas. Yeah, that's not really allowed. I can't yeah. wait to get I can't wait to get bloody blackout drunk. BBOD. <laughs> <laughs> Next and, one. And then step outside and if it's raining you say, Oh, it's pissing it down. Yep. Pissing it down and then eat a blood sausage the next day. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, look, I've done you know, I can help you with English food and tell you, Okay, you wanna try that. Oh you you know, the spotted dick is better than it sounds. Blood <laughs> sausage is what it sounds That's like. That's a thing? <laughs> yes. Spotted dick, yeah. What is it? Is it anything to do with the testy festy? No. <laughs> what is it? Spotted dick. It sounds like a dog. I want to get the explanation right here. Because. Real quick, while you're looking that yeah. up, a programming note. We have all booked our flights and uh, hotels in Indianapolis. Yeah. So we will be there for the combine, all three of us. Um, as those of you who have followed Zach and I's coverage of the combine before. This is a enlightening time to be a Broncos fan. We usually come up with some really good stuff while we're out there. Two years ago, we had uncovered uh, that Case Keenum was the leader in the clubhouse to be the Broncos quarterback. Last year, we discovered that they were in love with Joe Flacco um, and that they weren't going to draft a quarterback in the first round, which they did not. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you, you want to be tuned in. You want to be uh, subscribed by then because a lot of the stuff we do hint at on this podcast but the best information we get is going to be behind the paywall so spotted dick the way i'd explain it is uh this is from wikipedia it's made uh with it's a british pudding made with uh, some dried fruit often served with custard oh that sounds much better than the name so it's raisins raisins are the spots on the dick exactly (laughs) and why did they go with the name spotted dick and not Pudding with raisins. Pudding with raisins and custard. Sp- spotted is a reference to the dried fruit in the pudding. Dick and dog. This is a, on Wikipedia, where dialectical terms widely used from pudding from the same etymology as dough. So the modern equivalent name would be spotted pudding. I don't follow how they get there. So you can just call a snack pack just mm-hmm. a dick pack? <laughs> yeah, I guess. All right. One thing to add to your programming note, we, we touched on this a little bit uh, uh, yesterday, Zach and I, the timing on the podcast while we're in Indianapolis may be a little bit off. What That's it usually okay. is, because the way the way the days are structured, in particular Tuesday, when we talk with John Elway and Vic Fangio, uh, that'll be sometime Tuesday. But we'll also be talking with wide receivers who are out there. You just hope that the receivers and uh, Vic and John don't come through at the same time. So. It might be a little bit later than it usually is. That's okay. Yeah, we'll have to figure out something. It's always interesting when we go on these trips, kind of how we uh, manage our time because there's a lot. Of course, including being bloody blackout drunk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I want to share something here that uh, was sent to us from our buddy Brian. Um, He sent it a a while back, and we finally were able to gather it from the office. You can hear me fiddling with the paper here as I try to... This is so freaking cool, Brian. It's really, really cool. Um, And I will read the note that he left, and then I'll tell you about his gift. It says, hey, DNVR team. It's taken me some time to send this out to you guys for the main reason that I've honestly been a little lazy. But it seems as late, we have a community have really been letting the feels train get going. I'm not much of a writer, so excuse, excuse all the grammatical errors that will be in here. 
So I've been a part of this community for three and a half years now and have been commenting for about two. Your military promotion has been a priceless commodity in my life. So I'd like to share something with you that although isn't worth much is important to me. I'm sending y'all a coin that I received for doing some army stuff. I hope this is a small reminder of how important you are in my life and every listener's lives. With the addition of Mace to add to great people like RK and the Zack Attack, this podcast has gone beyond football. I guess it's more like a great weighted blanket. If you've never slept with one, try it. They are amazing. I have one. <laughs> My final point is that as of late, it seems like we've brought up mental health or just overall happiness or hardships lately. As the rhetoric has been shared, if any of you or your listeners uh, need someone to talk to, I will always be available. Three years ago, I lost two young soldiers to suicide and will hope that no one in our community is ever in that situation. I know that at times things can seem bleak or hopeless, but a decision like that cannot be undone. So I may not offer much, but I'm here just like I'm sure our entire community is. Lastly, I want to thank you guys again for everything you do day in and day out to make us all feel a part of something special. And to community, and to the community, let's give these guys a break. A three-hour pod? How is RK supposed to watch The Bachelor? <laughs> Best wishes, Brian. I need to catch a username. Um, thank you so, That's so much, awesome, Brian. That's awesome, Brian. And I'm holding the coin he sent here. I'll try and describe it for you guys through this audio medium. It's, uh, it says Airborne on there. It's got a sword with like some... Um, lightning bolts yep. going through it. Wow. And on the back, it says Command Coin for Excellence, uh, 425th Civil Affairs Battalion. And then it says, uh, quote here, I will always place this mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. Warrior ethos. Man. It, That's beautiful. Excuse me. That is so awesome, and it means a ton to us. That that is so cool that you were do, you did that for us, and it's really cool. It's really really cool. So thank you so much, Brian. We really really appreciate you sending us that and and sharing those words with us. And I think the entire community kind of reflects those feelings. So uh, thanks again, and we will put this in a very safe place, and, and it'll be uh, very close to us. Uh, before we go too far along here. Want to give a shout out to the Denver Rubber Company. They've been around since 1972. They have the highest quality of products, custom die cut gaskets, molded rubber. We've been to their facility. It's incredible the type of stuff that they do. Uh, and the bulletproof vests, they make materials that go inside wind turbine blades. It's really cool. So make sure you check out the Denver Rubber Company and make sure you use them for anything you need in terms of snow plows. They're great in that. So make sure you call them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And speaking of this awesome community, let's hear back from them. Iceman says, hey, friends, waiting to wear my new 55 when, not if, Bradley makes his first start of 2020. I happened to hear RK from four weeks ago on the Denver Broncos United Kingdom podcast. Great job as always. Go Broncos, Drew, and Bradley Chubb. So I think you'll wear that week one. Yes. Oh, yeah, you're wearing a week one. Yeah, he's going to be back by then, barring any future setbacks. He should be good to go, should be 100%. Uh, part of the advantage of having an injury early in the season is longer time to recover. And definitely shout-out to our friends over at Broncos UK and Broncos Europe, mm-hmm. um, who I'm sure are patiently or not so patiently awaiting the announcement of the game over there. I can't imagine any group of people that would have uh, been less pleased with the NFL's decision to delay the announcement than Broncos UK and Broncos Europe. Yeah, even though every sign is the Broncos will go play the Falcons in early October. 
Yep. Seems like October 4th, potentially. Sounds great to me. Could be a good weather day over there as well. Mm. A, ni- a nice early autumn London day. Great for football. Early autumn. From Hey Duke Abides. I got a b- bit behind and caught up on the last few pods today. I had a thought while you guys were discussing the trade for the first overall pick. If the first three-round picks was the cost to move up for Wentz, it would have cost us Lynch, Bowles, and Chubb. I'm betting that if we had Wentz, we aren't picking fifth in 2018 either. I think Chubb will bounce back and be great, but still. With the benefit of hindsight, do you make that trade? It wouldn't have been three ones because the Broncos were at 32. It would have been three ones and a substantial player or four ones. Okay, so Lynch, Bulls, Chubb, and Noah Fant. For Carson Wentz. Yep. Obvious trade. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, without having Drew Locke because you don't – yeah. Yes, you do that trade. Of course. From Newman, what qualifications does a player need to get their jersey retired? Is it more or less rigorous than the Hall of Fame? Well, considering the Broncos have fewer jerseys retired than Hall of Famers, it would seem to be more rigorous. But what happened, it's kind of vague because Frank Trapuca, he had basically many, many years ago was told no one will wear 18 again. So it got retired, but there was a moment in the mid-2000s the Broncos pulled it out for a receiver in OTAs, and then they pulled it back and then because they did some more research and found out, no, the jersey is really re- retired. And then Peyton Manning, of course, got permission. Floyd Little, I think they retired that like right, after, like right as he was honored as he retired, and they said no one's wearing 44 again because he's a franchise. But one thing we've we've talked about on here a few times is that if you're establishing a standard going forward for retiring the Jersey, a good thing to think of should be first ballot hall of famer. So not just a hall of famer, but going in right away. So that would mean John Elway. That would mean champ Bailey. That's I think a pretty fair and lofty standard going forward for Jersey retirement. It's not just being a hall of famer. Yeah. It's actually a good question for Joe Ellis next time we talk to him, although he may just say that that's, not his call. Yeah, he and I think he wants to defer that until a new owner is in place. Right. Exactly. Similar to the uniforms. Tucson Bronco Mario says, Hi, guys. Question from Ace. Do you ever plan on doing a baseball podcast with Drew during the offseason? I want to hear more of your baseball takes coming from a fellow huge baseball guy myself. I would anticipate that uh, as baseball season gets going, I'll be on the DMVR Sports Podcast from time to time, and Drew would probably be on there at times as well and so that's gonna scratch the itch as we get into rocky season and sometimes we get a little bit of rocky's talk here on the podcast oh, when, yeah. when we're in the true debt of the offseason well, you know we talk about who had the best week who had the worst week jeff breidich or mel tucker oh mel tucker doubled his pay right but in the eyes of Col- from colorado's perspective yeah um see who's you. worse see you yeah see you had the worst week um Jeff Breidich was completely unprepared. Jeff Breidich. For, for the question he knew was coming. He should have known was coming. I, how, does that, how does that happen as an organization? That, that, to me, that's it's, not on Jeff Breidich Yes, anymore. it's all on Jeff Breidich. How? Because the PR team, I'm sure there, was more than willing to help him prepare something to say. And he just said, I'm not, t- I'm not talking about this. I don't want it. Uh, and the PR team knew he was going to do that? The, there's, what, what can they do? You know, like... Patrick Smythe can go to John Elway and say, hey, say this. And if he just says no, what's he going to do? You can lead a horse to sensibility, but you can't make him drink it. So. 
And that. Jeff Bradish has no respect for the media. We already know this. You, yeah. You know, he said it in Drew Goodman's book. So hey, It's not brain surgery, right? So he, in his mind, he's like, why would I talk to these people? Why would I give them anything? I don't owe anyone anything. So he just has no idea how bad his reputation is? I just don't think he cares. Wow. It's a weird place to be. Um, the problem I, is, for him, the media is the conduit to the fans and the public. Exactly. And that's what he did. Even though, yeah, he went to Harvard, but clearly there is something he does not understand. There are a lot of things that he doesn't understand. Job. It's bad. Tucson Bronco Mario continues, says, Good thing we have the Broncos, Nuggets, and Avs to watch while we watch the Rockies franchise fall apart in the hands of Jeff Breidich and the damn Monforts. Hashtag road to 94 wins. Hey, you count spring training. They're getting 94. Nuggets Lakers <laughs> tonight. I'm excited for that. A little nervous, oh, but yeah. excited. At the can. And how about the Avs last night? Mm-hmm. Not bad. Low country Bronco. Hey, fellas. With the Michigan State rumors floating around, I can't help but wonder who would be other candidates if Schirmer were to up and bail on his Broncos job. Don't have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about it now. Also, do you think the Broncos would trade up for Judy? If so, or even just hypothetically, what teams would be likely trade targets? Low country Bronco. I don't think they trade up more than three or four picks. Yeah, I could see. I could see them moving to ten. Yeah. Sure. I could see them moving up as long as the cost is not a future one. Would you say that Jerry Judy is a speed receiver? He is, yes. Because the Broncos are looking for speed at receiver. Would he fit that? Yeah, he's going to run in the low 4-4s probably. Is that the speed they're looking for? Maybe even in the 4-3s. Like, do you think John Elway, because I think he's a speed receiver, yes. but do you think John Elway looks at him and says he's a speed receiver? He's. He, I, I would assume, I, I can't guarantee anything, that John Elway would say this is the best possible receiver for what we're looking he's for. He's a receiver that has the speed that you want, but he has every other tool that you desire. So that's You could, what, you could make com- a case that he's any yeah. other type of receiver. Right, he's the complete package. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm not arguing. I think Jerry Judy is fantastic. Um, do you see John Elway not just drafting a wide receiver in the first round, but drafting an Alabama wide receiver in the first round? And not just that, but trading up to draft an Alabama wide receiver in the first round. Probably not. I could see it. I mean, hey, I've already, I, I'm going to roll the dice and say they take an Alabama guy this year, first time. Uh, I would love, now is the time. I wonder what kind of odds you could to. get on that. <laughs> From Carpaccio, Chris, he says, thoughts and prayers go out to Jay Bomeister and his family. He collapsed on the bench during the Blues-Ducks game I was at. That kind of stuff rattles you to the core. Yeah, it certainly rattled everyone. What a scary, scary moment. Thank God he's okay. Um, It was great to hear the report that he was awake going to the hospital. The way that things were breaking in that story, I was really starting to fear the worst. Yeah, it was Um, so scary. The fact that he, you know, they had to perform CPR on the bench. The fact that they canceled the game. When they canceled the game, that's when my I, heart sunk. Yeah. Um, I had Hank Gathers flashbacks, Yeah, honestly, when, so, I, when I heard about that. Just thank God he's okay. Uh, um, it's crazy that you were there. Yeah. Chris, maybe you can tell us a little more about the story because I'm sure that was a very uh, odd place to be last night. For Next one from Kareem M. Wow. <laughs> In order for Locke to compete with Mahomes, we will need to have another amazing draft class and be as aggressive in free agency. Take it from me, Mahomes has been a longtime rival. Mine and his high schools are big-time rivals, and I remember him beating us every year. Luckily, I went to A&M, and we left the Big 12 before he got to Tech. Which player would you take if Judy and Thompson or Thomas are there at 15? Judy. That's tough. 
That's tough. If it's Ruggs and Thomas, I'm taking Thomas. If it's Judy and Thomas, I'm taking Judy. I'm going the same way. Jerry Judy's on another level for me. I recently saw someone rank uh, Jalen Rager above Judy. And I like Jalen Rager, but they're they're not the same kind of receiver. They're not in the same class. It's crazy if any receiver but Judy goes first. Yeah, I agree. Chad the man, who is your favorite Broncos enforcer? Among the best, in my opinion, were Lyle Alizado, Bill Romanowski, and Akib Tlaib. My favorite by far is Akib. Akib. Yeah, Akib. It's generational. And also, with Bill Romanowski, how can he be a favorite when he came back with the Raiders and drove Shannon Sharp's elbow into the ground, knocking him out for a few weeks in 02? Two of those guys played for the Raiders. Yeah. Right? Didn't Lyle Alzado play yes, for the Raiders? Yes, he did, eventually. And then Akib Tlaib was a Raiders tormentor. Yes, he was. Speaking of moments at a stadium when my heart dropped, when that fight broke out, I truly thought I was about to see something bad happen. <laughs> like the stadium just go into a massive brawl? Yeah, I mean, think about the stadium that we're talking about <laughs> yeah. here. They're throwing stuff on the field. I was like, oh, my God, what is about to happen? <laughs> you know, it's funny because you look back on that and kind of chuckle about it, but at the time... I thought this is a sign, another sign that Vance Joseph has absolutely no control over his team. I mean, legitimately, that was crazy. It was em- it was crazy, and it was embarrassing. Have you ever seen is, anything like that of guys literally throwing haymakers on the field? Is that on Vance, though? Because kind of like we were talking about with Jeff Breidich, a keep to leave is a keep to leave. I mean, he shot himself. It's, it's not but like... It, but it's on the Broncos to keep him... In, under control. I mean, they. But when that's when, kind of what I was saying about when the Rockies. John, when and if John, you just have a loose cannon. But when John Fox and Gary Kubiak were there, they kept a keep to leap from getting, from doing too much. Of course, that's he true. had the he had the the thing is he had the spit incident. Of course, the sp- the spitting incident uh, against the Colts in 2015. Well, and he had right. the personal foul penalty that yeah. probably cost the Broncos a game against yeah. the Colts. <sighs> But this, I, but this was, but I, oh, this was premeditated, thing. though. That's the thing about this. This was, you know, you're going after the chain. That's something he planned on. Well, and Crabtree purposely wore the chain <laughs> yeah. to dangle it right in his face. On a le- there is a level in which I support a key because to me, if you well, if you're Akeem. if you're wearing a chain like that for football, you deserve to get it yanked. It's like if, <laughs> no offense to the guys that have long hair, but. When Troy Palomalu once got tackled by his hair, it didn't bother me. Are you going to be mm-hmm. uh, tackling Derrick Henry by grabbing his hair? Uh, I don't think you're going to be successful. <laughs> you're gonna, he, he's going to keep running through. That, that, you think that's stopping Derrick Henry? How are Derrick you even going to get your I hand don't. around that? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be able to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our friend the Count. If Shermer leaves, I'm going to need to put in my relaxation tape and say the mantra, Serenity now! Until my Pop-Tarts expire, love the count. Well, you don't have to worry about that, and I don't yes. understand. So More from the count. Tlaib's 10 touchdowns is Hall of Fame type stuff. Love the count. Yeah. The count can count. Yes. <laughs> and that's going to be a big part of his Hall of Fame argument, whether it's Jeff Legwald or somebody else that's in that room that is talking up Aqib Tlaib. It's going to be the pick sixes. And doesn't everyone want to hear an Aqib Tlaib Hall of Fame speech? Oh, my God, oh, yes. Oh, man. Guys. <laughs> from VR though, 
Not Bronco related, but I was wondering if you have any non-sports podcast recommendations. Mine would be Your Own Backyard, which talks about the disappearance of college freshman Kristen Smart, who has never been found. One of the best I've ever heard. Thanks for all of your hard work. Go Broncos. Yeah, I've mentioned this one on here before, but mine is called Reply All. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are hundreds of episodes. They're all intriguing in their own different ways. I think you'll fall in love with uh, the chemistry of the hosts. That's something I, that is the most important thing for me in any audio medium I listen to. And they just tell great stories. They do great investigations. It's a, it's all around great. And based off that recommendation, Ryan, I've listened to a few, and man, they are. It's it's so entertaining because you you're right. They're great storytellers. Great storytellers. Great relationship between the hosts. Great crazy investigative stories. crazy stories. It's it's good stuff. Next one from Dan Burke. Mel, Mel, Mel. Oh, no, baby. What is you doing, baby? <laughs> I get that MSU are offering way more money and resources, but double-crossing the recruits, the fans, and the donors just hours after he met with them? I'm not even a Buffs fan, but even I feel betrayed after hearing this. Got to give props to Shermer for staying loyal to the Broncos, though. MSU were interested, and he could have easily pursued that job if he wanted to. And Hard Rocker chimed in and said, I got to agree, Mel Tucker did see you dirty. I guess it means they're second tier now. Now? Yeah. They probably were. They're third sadly. tier. Um, I also got to give Schirmer props that he easily could have just turned and left. I mean, the truth is the Buffs are a third-tier Pac-12 program, and Michigan State is a second-tier Big Ten program. So if you're ranking all the Power Five now, schools, that doesn't mean where, that CU where does CU stack up? Are they, like, in the bottom 15 of the Power Five right I don't now? think that it's a bottom-tier job. I think it's a second-tier Pac-12 job. Mm-hmm. But in terms of results, they're, they've been nothing but a third-tier Pac-12 team. But wouldn't, that, still would, a, but wouldn't that put them then behind like every every SEC school, every uh, Big Ten school? I don't know. I mean, I'd have to uh, get into it. Most of the ACC. I don't know. It just depends on what you're looking for. I mean, I don't think it. there's anything that should stop a coach from being successful at CU at this point with the kind of barriers that the last two coaching staffs have broken down. But you do have to have um, organizational support. Money is in, in play as well. So I don't know. I don't know where. But if are. but if you're successful in Boulder, like let's say whoever the next coach is comes in, has a couple of nine or ten win seasons, and then let's say that a mid tier SEC school comes calling, let's say Kentucky. Yeah, I don't think someone would leave for Kentucky. I don't think I don't think they would leave for Kentucky or South Carolina. South Carolina would certainly be tougher for them to keep. I think that goes for most schools in the country upgrading to an SEC school. Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. I think the question would be more like, would they leave for mm, like Indiana? Like, no, I don't think so. Right. I would say that's third tier. Right. As so, well. So, the yeah, I mean, you're, right. I mean, you're school, not leaving for Rutgers, for example. Right. Any school is liable to lose a school to a mid-tier SEC program. That's – you're coaching at the highest possible level in college football. Right. right. The Big Tabowski chimes in and said, Mace, I have to disagree with you on the Talib being worthy for, for the ring of fame. He is not worthy, not even close. 
in my eyes. And this is really interesting because this is, I was wondering if people are going to feel this way personally because a lot of people feel that way about John Lynch and they have similar resumes. He goes on and says, John Lynch isn't either, but he's got more credentials than Tlaib. Better player, better person, and more likely to move back to Denver than Akib ever will. I think Lynch more likely to call Denver home than a than Akib, and that's important to me anyhow. It's important to you. I don't think it's important to those who are making the decisions really on that. And I think the other thing is what you've, you've said that these are the standards and John Lynch meets those standards. So what, you're going to go back on those now? Right. Well, yeah. and pretty funny story about John Lynch living in Denver. When Peyton Manning was uh, thinking about playing for the Broncos, he talked to John Lynch and John Lynch said, I absolutely love Denver. Yeah. I'm going to live here the rest of my life. I'm never moving. Peyton joined the Broncos. One year later, John Lynch moved to San Diego. I don't think, uh, or, or San Francisco. Uh, no, I think he, San Diego. That's where he uh, was based out of to do okay. broadcasting. And then obviously San Francisco. Mm. Uh, he goes on and says, um, I'm willing to make an exception for Peyton Manning being a ring of famer just because of his fame, position, Super Bowl 50, and his proper love for Denver. Four years here in a Super Bowl should not make you a ring of famer, in my opinion. Some other interesting names to discuss off the top of my head. Tim Tebow, two seasons. DeMarcus nope, Ware, no. three seasons. TJ Ward, three seasons. Dan Chavathan, four seasons. No, Julius no. Thomas, four no, seasons. No. Emmanuel Sanders, five and a half seasons. If Ed, McCaffrey, if Ed McCaffrey's not in, Sanders isn't in. Yes, Elvis, but I think they'll both eventually. Pro- eh, yeah. Maybe not Emmanuel. Um, Elvis it's going to take Emmanuel a tough uphill climb. <laughs> yes. Elvis Dumerville, seven seasons. Yes. Probably. Ryan Clady, eight. Yes. 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 Chris Cooper, eight. No. No. Derek Wolf, nine. No. Yes. No. If Rulong, the same thing. Rulong Jones isn't in the Hall of Fame. Or Ring of Fame, pardon me. I can't me. make a rule so, on that. <laughs> Rulong Jones, same position, 3-4 defensive end, more productive player than Derek Wolf. DJ Williams, nine seasons. No. 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 Demaris Thomas, yes. nine. Yes. Ed McCaffrey, yes. nine. Yes. yes. Trevor Price, nine. Yes. yes. Chris Harris Jr., yes. nine. Yes. yes. Von Miller, yes. ten. Yes. yes. Von Miller and Demaris Thomas are the only two that should be nailed on for me, but I would put most of these names ahead of Tebow or Talib. Even Tebow, it is called Ring of Fame, after all, and that beautifully sculpted big Florida boy is as famous as all of them. Thoughts? Oh, and Tebow shouldn't be in the Ring of Fame. That was a joke. Love you guys. The big. Team. I was gonna say if Tebow's in the Ring of Fame, if it's about, if it's fame, about fame, then he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> then Jerry Rice should be in the Ring of Fame, even you know, because he did make the roster. He made the fifty-three man roster briefly and then got uh, cut or then retired. Part and shouldn't Tebow be in the Baseball Hall of Fame as well? Yes. He's dabbled in that. From H-Town Bronco, salary cap question. So I've always wondered this. Why is it that every media company always lists differing amount of salary cap space available to a team? The Broncos this year, for example, are listed between $56 million and $63 million in cap space available, depending on which article you're reading. So first question, what is the real number? There can obviously only be one true amount. Well, it's a fantastic question, something that drove me crazy when I was writing this article uh, that, that we published earlier this week. Uh, one of the reasons is because the salary cap isn't officially set yet. Uh, there's about a $4 million window that the NFL said it's going to be between, like $199 uh, or 198 and $202 million. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, once you, right now we're in that kind of gray period where we haven't turned over to the new league year. Once you turn over to the new league year, if you want to know how much cap space a team has for that year, you go to a page on the NFLPA website that literally updates the team's salary cap space 
daily. But it's not updated yet. Right. Because I right. checked and it was for last year. It's still based off last year. So what you can get from that, for example, is that you get the exact amount that the Broncos can carry over because right because at the end of the year they had fourteen million nine hundred thirty three thousand three hundred and nine dollars in cap space. Right. That's what they that's what they can carry over. We'll find out exactly how much they carry over. There's no reason for the Broncos not to carry over all of that. Yeah, and and so that's why the the best answer is they have roughly right around sixty million dollars before making any cuts. But good question. Um, next one coming in from Ethan Rosier. Wh- who were the wide receivers and tight ends that Shermer had when he was offensive coordinator or head coach? Daniel Jones played pretty good for not having any real good studs on offense. I think with the weapons we have and can get via free agency in the draft, this could be the best offensive player Shermer has ever had. Hope Ryan is feeling better after hearing about Mel Tucker. Have a good one, guys. He had some good players in Philly, but he wasn't a coordinator back when he was. I'm talking about the Andy Reid stint. Yeah. There. Um, I mean, Daniel Jones had Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, and Saquon Barkley. And Saquon was a hell of a receiving back. That's not a bad combination. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, right. But that's why one of the reasons why he was able to have pretty decent success. But I think the, the key is looking at Evan Ingram and the – comp was made by Shermer to comp comparing Fant to Evan Engram. They have the same, basically very close to the same time speed in terms of 40-yard dash. Noah Fant's got 15 or 16 pounds on Evan Engram. So I think one of the things that really excites Pat Shermer is the notion that he can do the things he did with Evan Engram, but do a bit more with Noah Fant because of his size. Right. Yep, exactly. And that's why I think... I'm, fin- I'm finishing this article uh, later on uh, today. The the fact that you've got Pat Shermer coming in with Noah Fant, I think you can expect him to be targeted at least 100 times this season if he plays a full year. And I think he's going to finish right behind Cortland Sutton in receptions and yards for the Broncos this year. Yeah, I mean, very well could, depending on what they do with that second receiver. From Burley Joe, would any of you want to attempt getting into coaching? Pop Warner, high school, college, XFL, NFL, you're all quite the intellects, and it sounds like y'all would make great coaches. P.S. This isn't me offering any coaching (laughs) opportunities. (laughs) Shoot, if you were offering a job, maybe. Well, I love the uh, compliment there. I definitely want to get into Pop Warner, Pee Wee type of coaching when I have kids, but that's about as far as I would go down that road. Yeah, that would be a blast. The thing about coaching, and, and I'm sure you know, if you're trying to make it somewhere, it is a grind and a half times 100. Yeah, if Zach and I started trying to get into coaching right now, uh, it might we might be 40 before we ever get a real legit opportunity. I, yeah. I think the only type of coach I'd want to be would be a game management coach. Oh, the guy who just says, like, do working, this, do that. Working on timeouts. You know, when Mitch, what's guy, his name? Tanny. Mitch Tanny. So, like, he's their analyst guy. You know, when you want to go up tempo, when you want to slow it down, how to properly manage the clock. I think teams could be so much more efficient if they had somebody on their staff who was entirely in charge of the game and pace management. That's the sort of thing I could do, I, but that's not really being a coach. What, what was Bill Belichick's philosophy? I think it was 2020. It was work 20 hours a day. For $20,000 a year. That was his philosophy when he started coaching. That's the mindset he took. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, 
I don't know if it still is, but what he holds his count, his coaches, especially guys that want to get into the business, kind of accountable for. You, the, the problem with 20 hours a day is that you become less effective if you go that long without sleep. And maybe, maybe he throws 20-minute naps in there, Mace. Maybe it's a 20-20-20 plan, and you get, uh, you get 10 20-minute naps a day. I think what you should do is say, okay— you're going to come here and be on my staff so you can have breakfast, lunch, and dinner here at the facility. You have barely any reason to go home. But if I were Bill Belichick, I'd be saying, look, you're going to work 15, you're going to work 15 hours a day over here, but I still want you getting eight, eight hours of sleep. Right. So I'm you have an sure hour, you have an hour to yourself sleep. every day. And quick sh- before we go too far, quick shout-out to the Blake Street Tavern, one of the best sports bars in Denver. Uh, the nachos there are insane. The green chili cheese fries, I th- that's the only place I've seen them in Denver and they are insane as well. Um, tons of great options there. So make sure you check out the Blake street tavern. Uh, I think I might actually be stopping by the Blake street tavern this evening. Nothing sounds better right now than the Blake street tavern nachos or the Blake street tavern green chili fries. Oh, I think that might, maybe be I'll get lunch. both later. Gosh. As think... you can see, I'm not on my keto diet right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might be getting those green chili fries for lunch. I might be going down there. <laughs> That's too good. Larry Den jr. Man. I hope Pat, doesn't go to Michigan State. He didn't. Don't worry. Zach is right. That heart will tell your mind what not to do. I mean, no football program was in worse condition than Penn State, and it catapulted Bill O'Brien's career. Let's be honest. How many head coaching opportunities is Shermer going to get in the NFL? Man, I had the toughest time defending the hire to my Bronco friends. I agree with Mace. Man, I think Shermer is an awesome coach, but I feel he got crappy rebuilds with little time to turn things around with the Giants and Browns, and my dense friends. Look at his coaching records if that's indicative of what he can do as an OC. So unfair. Hope Pat stays. I think he wanted Drew Locke, and that's why he's here. No disrespect to the Broncos, but I would have went to the Eagles all day over the Broncos, LOL. So the fact that he came here, I think he wanted Drew. He knows what Drew can do and tends to hit or extend that ceiling. Quick question. I'm hearing the Byron Jones stuff swirling around, but Dallas has had issues getting turnovers, and their main reason to part ways is because Byron doesn't get turnovers. He gets PBUs and PDs, but no INTs. Knowing that, how much would you be willing to pay for him? Really quick, how, how good is Chris Harris Jr.? Or how good has Chris Harris Jr. been the past seven years? Fantastic. He's been damn good. Has he been an interception machine? No. No, he hasn't been. So I'm okay with Byron Jones if he's going to be a damn good quarterback. Uh, and just with Chris, he, he said he doesn't get thrown at enough to get those INTs. So if Byron Jones is the exact same way, he's locked down so much that they don't throw at him, yeah, I'm totally okay with but that. But Vic Fangio's defense should give him more opportunities. I think Byron Jones would do much better in terms of getting picks in Denver than he did in Dallas. P.S., NFL Network putting Dwayne Haskins above Drew Locke in their QB index is asinine. If Dwayne Haskins played like he played for us, if he if Dwayne, Hask, Dwayne Haskins played for us like he played for Washington, LOL, we're drafting Justin Herbert this year, guaranteed. No way in hell he played better than Drew, LOL. Drew, in five games, had the same TDs as him for less in, in four less interceptions. In four less interceptions. 15% better completion percentage and the same yards relatively in four less games than him. Why must national media hate on the Broncos? It's insane to me, LOL. Well, the good news is the Broncos are getting some national love, as we've seen over the past week. They just don't know yet. It's not their fault. <laughs> From Low Country Bronco, guys, another quick question. Do you agree with NFL.com placing Drew Locke at the number 29 spot in their quarterback index? Um, uh, I'll ask this. They just don't know yet. They'll just, soon find out. They just don't know yet. But. It's, they made fault. a point of saying in the article that it wasn't based on 
potential. It was based on the performance last year. That that, that was kind of their out. Um, that being what? said, are they, I w- are they expecting the the game to be played tomorrow? Well, that's and I think having him behind Haskins was incorrect, but. Hold on. You can't turn around after a guy had a great start to his career and say it was because of his performance that he's being ranked number 29, not because of his potential. He has the perfect combination of performance and potential. <laughs> There's no argument here. We're on the same page. I had, I had a problem with him being behind Jacoby Brissett, being behind Dwayne Haskins. Being behind Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Zach. Andy Dalton. It gets him every time. Where was Andy Dalton was was down there? Andy Dalton was below Drew Locke. Oh, one like, of the three below him. Yeah, he was right. Yeah, the next ones be- below Drew Locke were Andy Dalton, Mitchell Trubisky, Matt Moore, Joe Flacco, Case Keenan, Marcus Mariota, Kyle Allen. That's a terrible list. <laughs> From Brent G. Morning, my guys. I just wanted to send my condolences to RK. That's a weak move by Tucker, and even as a CSU Ram alum, I feel for you. Thank you. And if it makes you feel any better, I felt the same way when we hired Steve Adazio. So what can I say? Just guys being dudes. <laughs> I love that. Guy's Dude. an idiot. Baker Mayfield voice. <laughs> you also have some love coming out from a, uh, a fellow Ram, Drew Chia. Ryan sending his best to you. Yeah. Appreciate also, it. Mr. Undrafted, what would you have to give up to move to 10? And who from 7 to 10 would even want to move back? Because you guys have said there are a couple of teams looking for QBs and linemen. Would trading with the Lions be the best bet because then we could get the best wide receiver or lineman without having to give up even more to move to one? Uh, do the Lions have multiple first-round picks? No clue. Where are they picking? Three. Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah. You would for sure be giving I, you're up not moving multiple up to three, I don't ones think. in no. order to move up. That's why I was asking if yeah. they had multiple picks. Yeah. Um, it, if you're moving up to 10, boy, you may be able to get away with a second-rounder, uh, a third-rounder. Yeah. I think the Lions, Dre did this in his first mock draft. I think the Lions moved down. I think they make a deal with, ultimately make a deal with the Dolphins or the Chargers. Man, if you're the Lions, it may be time for a fresh start at quarterback if two was there. <sighs> but Matthew Stafford, I mean, we saw last year, that was a good team with Matthew Stafford. They were 3-4-1 and one with Matthew Stafford. And if, way better than they were without him, right? Of course. And and basically, you take the three, four, and flip the three and the four because they had a game just absolutely robbed from them in Green Bay. Saying, just saying, it was a better, it was a good competitive team with Matthew Stafford that looked like it was close to making a breakthrough. Remember how close they came to beating Kansas City? Doesn't it? Yes, yes. They, they I watching the Lions early before Stafford went down. I thought. This is a team that could be like Belichick's second team in New England that just figures it out and gets hot. Doesn't it always feel like that, though, with the Lions? I just feel like mm. it's like, ah, oh, Matthew Stafford, we're just one move away, one seat next year's year, it just hasn't happened. I'm not saying that's I don't what think, I would do, but I think it's something to explore. I think Stafford is the guy who has kept them from complete disaster in the last decade. Yeah. He is, he is this generation's Archie Manning. Hmm. Yep. Next one coming in from Brent G. Morning. Oh, we already got that one. Uh, next one from Alaska Preston. Hey, fellas. I heard the P or APB put out about by McCaffrein at Addict yesterday to help Super Bowl 
Bolin, find a financial planner. I'm actually currently working an internship with a financial planning company and would be happy to see if I could help Super Bolin out. If he could drop his Twitter handle or some other way I could reach him, I'll be sure to. Again, this community just coming through. So cool. Now on to my question. Maybe this is a bit too hypothetical, but do you guys think you could give us realistic numbers for Drew in terms of touchdowns, interceptions, passing yards, and team wins in the following three scenarios? One, Drew crushes it and cements himself as the long-term starter. Um, 26 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 4,000 passing yards. I'm going uh, 30, 14, and 3,500. Okay. Mace? 28 touchdowns, 10 picks, 4,200 yards. Drew plays all right and earns himself another year of observation. Um. 21 and 13, um, 3,200 yards. Yeah, 22, 12, yeah, maybe 22, 14, and uh, 2,700 yards. Oh, my God. What did you say? I said 3,200. Okay, was I too close to you? I feel like you were just too low. Oh. 2,700 yards would be really low output. I think he gets another year, though. Okay. At 2,700 yards, if that's his output, he better have missed time to injury. Okay, maybe he gets 32. I'll say two. I mean, he had 200 yards a game last year. 22 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 3,500 yards. Copycat. Three, Drew falls off a ledge, and Denver decides they need to look for a quarterback in the 2021 draft. 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, uh, 2,900 yards, 52% completions. I mean, it's gonna, it would have to be really bad. A yeah, combination of num- yeah, a combination of numbers that translates t- to a rating of the low 80s. Under 20 touchdowns, over 15 interceptions. I think it's more important for us as fans to build realistic expectations for what next season may look like. Thanks for the time, guys, and much love to this great community. Drew Locke came in at 100-1 to 1 to win MVP. Don't think it's a bad investment. <laughs> he did come in at 100 to 1? Yep. Mm. Right next to Gardner Minshew, which, again, I felt was a slap in the face. Well, wow. we've had two straight MVPs be second year quarterbacks. Yep. Yep. It's true. It might be Kyler next year, though, but that's okay. <laughs> Last one here from Dylan C. West. When you fellas brought up bad Broncos jerseys to have, shame filled my being. As one naive freshman in college decided to make his first ever jersey a purchase a number 12 Paxton Lynch jersey oh. precisely three days after the draft. Not sure if I'll ever live that one down. Needless to say, I haven't bought one to replace the dab master himself. But I could find some comfort in my grandmother finding some use in that overpriced kindling. I have a question for you in response, Dylan. You bought that jersey three days after he was drafted. And then I assume probably a few weeks later you saw the gif of him doing his little dance in front of the green screen. What was your reaction when you saw that? Did you know then that you'd chosen poorly? Yeah. Probably. I have to imagine. So, yikes. That was, that's the word. The yikes. dancing dab and, oh. yikes. <laughs> that gift still gets a lot of mileage. Oh, yes, it does. Is he with the Steelers still? Yes. Third string ish quarterback? Basically fourth because you have Roethlisberger there. Right. Now he's back. And they have Roethlisberger and, of course, Mason Rudolph and uh, Duck Hodges. But, they weren't enamored with Mason Rudolph when he played. Duck Hodges was exposed pretty quickly. Steelers are a sneaky team that could be in the market for a quarterback in the draft this year. Don't sleep on them. Even though they don't have a one, 
they might be willing to sacrifice some future draft capital. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that wraps it up for us today on the DNVR Broncos podcast. If you are interested in more of my takes and information and reporting on Mel Tucker and what went down there, make sure you tune into the DNVR Buffs podcast tomorrow. Thanks to everyone who reached out. I mean, it's, it is funny. Like everyone's like, Hey, I hope you're doing all right. I'll be all right. It's just sports in the end, but I do appreciate all the love. Um, Thanks to you guys for being here today. And we will talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. It's getting me down.